This programme was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Hawke's Bay, your community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible. You're listening to Radio Hawks Bay on 104.7 FM, 1431 AM, streaming on the web across the world, www.radiohawksbay.org.nz. My pleasure, as always, to have in the studio on this Instant Zone program, Edmund Otis. How you going, Edmund? I'm super, Ken. Nice to see you. Good to see you, as always. Peak performance every day. Every day. Every day is a good day, isn't it? Yeah. And every yeah. day is a good day to look for it, isn't it? Yeah. You know, and peak performance, you know, as we keep going back and forth to, is... You know, trying to do, being able to do the best you can considering the situation. Yes, indeed. You know, every day you're not going to, um, you know, run a race or climb a building. But, you know, can you do the best you can given the factors you're handed? Yeah. Who's the judge of that? Yourself, I suppose. Yeah, I think think yourself. um, I think a lot of us have an understanding of whether they've done as well as they can. You know, I think there's a lot of, we always talk about there's a lot of factors related, you know, I mean, you know, external factors, some people just have a harder time than others, yeah. you know, based on economics or demographics or situation or health. But also, you know, some people are either enhanced or inhibited, you know, by personality yeah. or how they address things or how they look at things, which brings us back to that whole resilience thing. How do you deal with stress? Yeah. Now, today we're going to talk about, well, we're going to look at the year in review. We've had some uh, interesting conversations over the year, but yeah. just, just on that topic, I mean, Instant zone, peak performance, doing your best every day. When you get home at night, do you review your day and say, hmm, did the best I could today? Is that, is that a thing to reevaluate what your day was like and how well did you do or not? You know, some people do that. I think that's a good thing. Um, I have to confess, I'm remarkably uninsightful. Yes. You know, if, if it went well today and I'm, I'm, by the time I get home, if I'm tired, <laughs> I've done as much as I can. I'm pretty yes. satisfied with myself. You know, yeah. I don't know if that's the best way to go. Um, I do jot down a list of things I need to do the next day. Yeah. Um, I have a good friend who does a lot of efficiency uh, corporate stuff. And, he's, and he, I, I love his theory. I can't do it. He says no list of to do should be longer than three points. Right. He goes, what are the three things you want to deal with? You deal with those. As soon yeah. as you do one of those, you put another one on. He goes, some people make a career out of making lists of things yes, to do. Yes, indeed. You know, which, which is good if it works for you. Yeah. But I, I don't do that too much. I'm, I'm kind of aware if I screwed up. Yeah. Um, but also, I'm real happy that I'm more than willing to forgive myself yeah. if I screwed up. You know? That can be a downer, couldn't it, reviewing your day? Thinking, yeah. Oh, geez, didn't do that. So, you know, look at my list. There's only one tick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well I mean. It why de- would you put yourself through it? But again, it depends how, you know, what you're looking at. I mean, what did you want to accomplish? Yeah. You know, um, do you feel satisfied at the end of the day? Did you make so Everybody has to make choices. Yes. You know, I mean, that's one of the things, you know, since this whole theme of the show is around the peak performance a lot of people think about sports you know but there's so many different parallels but you know even you know world cup is going on now yeah okay every single athlete makes a choice whether they pass the ball to the guy on the left or the Mm. guy on the right every moment is a choice you know so a lot of instant zone is being comfortable enough to do what you think you need to do at the time yeah you say that it's a choice um, but with athletes it's an instinct isn't it Sure. Is it still a choice or is it just instinct? Everything is a choice. Really? It may be a subconscious that choice. split second. It's a choice. Yeah. Okay, you, you, have, you, have, you have variables. I mean, you know, you, you, <laughs> you want to be totally pessimistic. You can choose whether to take the next breath or not. Yes. yes. I mean, it, 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 it's a conscious decision not to. Yes. And it's hard. But I believe that absolutely everything we do is a choice. Now, over the year, we've talked a lot about resilience, yeah. um, probably on two or three different occasions. What is it about resilience that we need to know? 
Here, here's the thing that I think is the most interesting, and it has to do with um, a lot of the work that I do and a lot of stuff, you know, as we've talked about the school program. Um, a lot of people, because resilience has had a big play over the last few years, um, and it's easy to look at resilience and you look at people and go, oh, there's something about that person. They have more resilience mm. or less resilience. And that's all true. That's personality. However, what I'm interested in is when you look at the research and the work we've been doing and I've been doing, people who are resilient actually do some things differently than people who are not. Yeah. That's the bottom line. And my belief is if we can do what those people do, we will be more resilient. So people who are resilient, for example, think about challenges differently. They use a different formula. You know, it's the thing we've talked about, the fundamental difference between people who are resilient and not. Mm. People who are not resilient are confronted with a problem, confronted with an issue, and they dwell on that. And, they're, you know, and justifiably, things are upsetting. People who are resilient, it's almost how soon they get to the point, oh, man, things are bad, what should I do now? Is that a genetic thing? Well, I mean, it might be, but it's still learnable. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's genetic. Some people are naturally better golfers. Yes, indeed. Right? Yeah. But if I want to learn to play golf, I go try to learn to do what the guy who's genetically gifted does. Yeah. Right? Some people are better runners. But if I want to learn to... So, sure, genetically. But I don't think that yeah. counts. But I try to emulate what the people who are genetically more talented do. Mm. I know that people who are resilient ask themselves the question... Huh, what should I do now? And then they do it. Can you set your goals too high, though? I hear what you're saying, but uh, I don't know anyone famous. Well, let's look at you. You're, uh, <laughs> you're an, an eighth Dan um, in karate, aren't you? Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. Uh, someone might be looking at you and saying, wow, I want to be that guy. But you may well have that talent, which the other guy hasn't got. He's going to learn stuff, but it comes naturally to you because you... You might just be oh, no, that no. natural athlete. No, no, it doesn't come naturally. I was terrible. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I had to work every step of the way. I was noticeably ungifted. And it turns out a lot of times the people who are the best coaches are the ones who had to work hard to get to where they are. As a, a lot of natural, natural athletes are beautiful and blessed, but they're not the best coaches often because they don't quite understand mm. what they did to get there. Yeah. Um, you know, because so it came naturally to it them. It came naturally. Yeah. And, and a lot of that is there's this great series on TV right now on Netflix about Michael Jordan. Uh, I forget the name of it. Uh, it's about his basketball career. Mm. And what he does naturally is he tries so hard he can't help himself. Yeah. But he can, he can coach that to people. Larry Bird turned out to be a good coach. Yeah. But I, I, I don't think you could set your goals too high. I'll, I'll give you an example. You know, I work with a lot of different athletes. And one of my favorite athletes I worked with about three years ago is a motocross racer. He's a 12-year-old boy motocross racer. And so we talk, we meet with the parents back and forth. And I, I coach everybody. And, um, you know, I asked him, you know, what are his goals? And he said, my goal is to be world champion. Mm. Some might say that goal is too high. Mm. And his parents go, oh, honey, which is fine. Mm. But the question I ask, I'm, I'm delighted with that goal. You want to be world, world champion motocross racer? Good. What's the first thing you need to do? And he figured out the first thing you need to do is to train hard to win the next race that was yeah. coming up in Hastings. You could, you could do whatever you want. I want to be world champion this or that. That's great. Yeah. My focus is, what's the first thing you need to do? But I bet you don't come across too many people who say that, that no. my goal is to be no, world champion. So those people are halfway there, aren't they? Well, they're, yeah, I mean, they're there, they recognize, yeah. they're there if they recognize that to achieve any of those goals, it's going to be hard. Yeah. You know, I think the people who are successful recognize that it's hard work. Mm. 
and they 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 I don't want to say they enjoy it, but they immerse themselves yes. in it. Um, the the people who have a hard time with that, they have a goal, and then they haven't done what they need to do to train themselves to work diligently. Yeah, it's all the effort. It's you know, it's all that corny stuff. You know, someone's grandfather yeah. told somebody's grandfather way back, but it's all that corny stuff. Yeah. Okay, you're an eighth dan at uh, karate, yep. and no doubt that took up a lot of your life growing up. Time. Still does take up a lot of your life. Of Do you have to compromise uh, the rest of your life to get where you are now? No, you make choices, but it's not a compromise. I, you know, um, I when I was when I was young, when I was training uh, for nationals and stuff, I I would train six days a week. 14 sessions a week. We, we would train all the time. That's what we did. But so what fell by the wayside for you to do that? I don't know. That's what I was doing. I mean, I made other choices. Yeah. I, I mean, I know what you're saying, yeah. but I just don't buy it. I mean, it's it's either compromise or not. Do you know, do you want to run the street and date a lot? Or do you want to be married and have a family? Mm. I'm happy with either. Yeah. Right? Do you want to vacation a lot? Or do you want to in, invest in your work? I'm happy with either. I think what helps us and, you know, instant zone is we recognize that it's a choice. You know, so I, I did make some choices. There's several things I chose mm. not to do or I couldn't do so that I could do what yes, I did. But I, I spent, you know, I was on the U.S. national team for 10 years. And yeah. then I was U.S. national coach uh, for 10 years, not after that, but after after a break. Mm. And I, I came up. Um, but it's it's all choice. Yeah. But your commitment is what makes champions, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I really loved what I was doing. Yeah. yeah. Now, we've also talked about changing your life. And uh, as we record this program, it's our last program of the year. It's in December. We're heading towards New Year's Eve. Oh, and boy. as most people are want to do, they get out the old pad and start writing down resolutions. Is that a good idea? You know, for some people it is. Uh, for some people it isn't. I know, for example, the industries, and you know, and they're, they're valuable, the industries that depend on people deciding to change make most of their income now. Mm-hmm. You know, most health gyms right now, and I, I, I go, I'm a member, uh, most of their registration and membership happens this month and next month. You know, New yes. Year's resolutions. Yes, indeed. But, you know, I have a good friend who's a manager of one of the local gyms, and, you know, she'll tell you that if everybody who was a member here showed up, there wouldn't be any room. Yeah. You know, so, <laughs> yes. so but I, I think goals are good. I like, and lately I've been using a different kind of goal setting. Um, I like thinking more about, and I think this works, and it works with some of the clients I'm working with, some of the people. As opposed to setting goals externally, I like thinking about setting goals internally. Mm-hmm. You know, this coming year, what kind of person do I yeah. want to be? Um, but then you, you change it to behavior. Okay, so I would like to be, perhaps I would like to be a kinder person. Mm. Go with that. Okay. If I was kinder, what would I do? Yeah. And then you do that. You know, um, I, I believe that is the kind of goal that helps. You know, what kind of person do you want to be? Now, the trouble is a lot of people, some people say, oh, I wish I, I wish I was more confident, but I'm not. They use that as a leverage not to be. Yes. But I, I really do suggest we do that verbal thing. Well, you know, um, I'd like to be more confident, period. If I was more confident, what would I do? Mm. And then do that. 
I wonder, is it a good idea perhaps to keep resolutions to yourself in the first instance? Uh, for instance, you know, if you were overweight, which you are not, but by the way, I think you look like you've lost weight. Have you been training? <laughs> <laughs> but if we were in particular wanting to lose weight, would it be best to keep that goal to ourselves for some time rather than put it out there and then all of a sudden, you know, because how easy is it to fall off a diet, for instance? Yeah. And then people say, ah, oh, you're a loser. You know, yes and no. I think there's different ways of looking at it. I I think some goals should be personal. However, I know what we know from uh, from exercise science, and you'll you'll see this with you know gyms that people with those kind of goals, people actually tend to do better Mm. um, in groups. They commit to each other. We're all going to be in the gym this much. We're all going to do this. I think people get a lot of confidence in sharing it. I think what helps, and what we seem to think helps, is. Share the goal mostly with people who have the same kind of goal, mm. right? You know, if I want to change, you know, if I want to improve my physical condition, I might meet some people who are doing that. Yes. We all agree. Three days a week, we're going for a walk, yeah. you know, and then after we get in better shape, we're going to go for a longer walk or else we're going to jog. Yeah. Um, I, I think that kind of thing becomes really, really helpful. Yeah. Um, I, do, I do like public declarations. Um, but sometimes they don't work out as well because you end up feeling ashamed. Yeah. So how do we how do we change our psyche into being someone like you who is positive and the people that you were just talking about, for instance? Because do we always say that sounds pretty easy to do, doesn't it? So, so <laughs> once you, again, yeah. once again, simple but not easy. <laughs> so how do that you, should be your mantra. I'm going to have a tattoo right here on my neck. Yeah. It's simple, but it's not easy. <laughs> How do you change your psyche to be that person? Because there are so many people when you look out there, and we've talked about it before, that the people that you were dealing with, um, the fact that you were dealing with them, I think they're halfway there because they're seeking out your help to sure. be better. How do you get people to do that? Um, I think we learn a lot from that from sport. And again, I don't have a simple answer, but I think it's too challenging and difficult and subtle and obtuse to try to change our psyche. I think what you want to try to do is change your behavior. Yeah. Uh, and that will affect your psyche. But again, it's that thing I talked about. So let's see, my psyche, you know, at work or in my life, in my relationships, I, I need to be more confident. We'll use that. Yeah. Um, so that's a psyche thing. But I get rid of that. Okay. Literally, get a piece of paper. If I was more confident, what would I do? Yeah. Well, you know, I might talk to more people. I might raise my head up. I might ask for that raise. Mm. Um, and, and we see that from sport all the time. You know, I've only said this, you know, since we've been doing the show maybe a dozen times. Yeah. One of the reasons the All Blacks do the haka is behavioral psychology. It is impossible to do the haka without having more energy. Mm. Well, it's passionate, isn't it? You yeah. can see but, the but it's the doing it that yes, does it. it does. It is impo- and it's impossible to do the haka without feeling closer to the people next to you. I guarantee you the coaches don't there. Okay, boys, you feel like doing it? Eh, not today, my ankle. No, yeah. no, no. no Let's right. hit it. Yeah. But when you do it, you feel better. We know from um, you know uh, depression um, therapy and, and research that you know people who are depressed, if they can f- literally, I use the word literally, force themselves to keep their heads up, make more eye contact, and smile at people, mm. they end up feeling better at the end of the day. Yeah, my belief is it's behavioral psychology. What you do affects how you feel. So even though it's difficult, even though it's challenging, you know, it's that silly thing we've been talking about or somebody made a phrase, you know, you fake it till you make it. But what's weird about that is mostly it's true. It's mostly true. Yeah. 
I do a fair bit of walking and I do some biking. And yeah. what amazes me is that, and, and I sort of force people to say hello to me. Yes. Yeah, because I think, wow, why wouldn't you? But I'm surprised at how many people either look away from me, who wouldn't, yeah. um, or sometimes don't even reply. I'm normally am the person that makes the first move to say, g'day, how are you going? Yeah. Because yeah. we sort of have a camaraderie that we're out doing yeah. biking yeah. or exercising yeah. or walking. But um, are those people just shy in the main, or I'm, am I intruding on their space and the thing? Who do you think you are? You know, I have no idea. Yeah. You know, some people are shy. I, I think it's nice if you feel uh, like saying hello to somebody to say hello. Um, I, I think, you know, one of the reasons we moved to New Zealand is that whole population density thing. What we know is in less intensely populated areas, you know, mm-hmm. like in New York City or Tokyo or London, you know, people are more likely to look up and say hi to you yep. in, in a less crowded area. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But I think it's nice that you do it. Yeah. What's that? Uh, that, that You're wearing that... clothes when you're riding your bike, right? <laughs> yes. Good. Okay. Just I checking. Indeed. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, what you just described there uh, in the U.S., was that big city, small city? Uh, I mean, I would have thought that in, in the U.S., if you will going around a place the size of, say, Hastings or Napier, that we would have a similar... Il- similar, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. It's similar. It seems to be based on population density. I mean, there are, there are small towns in the U.S. or England or every, everywhere. You know, a town of 50,000 people spread out. It's very similar to Napier or Hastings. Mm. Uh, but what we do know is as environments get more crowded, people actually are less connected to other people because they need to protect themselves you know, I mean, if, if you, you know, for any of our listeners, you know, if you've been in a big city and you're on a subway and it's crowded, nobody looks at anybody mm. at all. It's too much, too much proximity. Mm. But if it's kind of empty, you might nod to somebody yeah. and say hi. Fair enough. Now, we recently spoke about dealing with the disappointment. Why don't we deal with disappointment as well as we deal with some success? <laughs> what is that? Because it's disappointing. <laughs> That's right. It's very disappointing. <laughs> That's why it's called that. <laughs> I just read something cool, kind of the reverse of that. That one of the things that helps us find joy and pleasure and happiness is experiencing the anticipation Mm. before. So if we're looking forward to something pleasurable, once it happens, we seem to be happier about it than if it just happened and we weren't expecting it. Yeah. That's interesting. That is interesting. Right? Because there's that deficit. Maybe with disappointment, it's the same thing, you know. As many times as you think about something negative, as far as your consciousness is concerned, it's happened. Yeah. You know, if you're worried about something happening, every time you think about it, it's happened a little bit in your psyche. Mm. And maybe it has something to do with that. I wonder, I mean, I, I put myself in that camp myself that I love Christmas. But what I love about Christmas is I love the build-up. Yeah. I love the razzmatazz. I love the jostling, the hustle and the bustle when you're shopping. I love yeah. the big sales. And I love the traffic and the beeping of horns and all that sort of stuff. But when it gets to Christmas Day, I sort of go, oh. <laughs> I was disappointed. <laughs> well, I don't know what to tell you. but that, Sure, but, but that, what that might mean is you don't actually, I mean, you don't dislike Christmas. But you're describing is what you just said. You like the buildup and the hustle and the bustle. Yeah. That's what you like. Being with people, engaging people, getting gifts from people, thinking how they're going to like it. I assume you buy people yes, gifts. Yes, yes. Right? You know, that's that's what you enjoy. Yeah. So how do I deal with that disappointment? <laughs> I don't just, know. I'm just weird. Don't worry. <laughs> now, a couple of months ago, we talked about coping with unexpected events. Now, yeah. um, 
ginormous events that we've all had to cope with and that was unexpected for the last three years was COVID. A major unexpected event and a lot of people are still trying to deal with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two things to me that are surprising and some of your listeners, listen. I don't know if you remember when COVID first happened and people started being told to stay home yeah. with isolation stuff. The big complaint was, or the big concern is being home and isolating, people were going to get depressed and anxious. Mm-hmm. Turns out that happened somewhat. The bigger surprise is once the isolation stopped, a lot more people are having more anxiety, leaving their yes. house and going back. I think that's fascinating. Yeah. So some people did, you know, feel isolated and alone, but you know, with the internet, with computers and yeah. phones, but more people are having a harder time going back. The second thing we seem to be for saying, what reason though? Do you think? I, I think we're overly stressed. Mm. Uh, I think we spend too much time either virtually or actually around people. Mm. Uh, I think we like people a lot more if we could just somehow figure out how to get rid of computers yeah. and the internet. I mean, there is never a time where we're disconnected. And, you know, um, we're, we're joking today. I, you know, it's a new office. I got lost on the yeah, way here. That's right. I, I believe part of that is because I don't, I hardly go anywhere without using yes. my little map. Thing. Mm-hmm. I said, I don't know about you. I cannot remember how I used to get around in my 20s in LA. Yeah. I'd, I'd go to parties. Yeah. I knew where the restaurants were. I have no idea how I did that. So for me, and I can feel it, the part of my brain <laughs> has always been weak anyway, that looks for directions has totally retracted. I think for a lot of people, if they're naturally not that social, now that they're on the internet, they've it makes being social in real life, even more challenging because mm. they used to not to it. I know, for instance, if we wind the clock back uh, at least 10, maybe 15, 20 years ago, I could probably give you, out of my head, 30 phone numbers that I knew. I can remember my wife's phone number, I know my work phone number, and I know my own phone number. That's it. The only phone number I know is my phone number. Yeah. <laughs> and that's because that's I put it in the computer. No, it's bizarre. It is but, bizarre. But I mean, I think we do other things, but I think some of this stuff is so much access, we don't need it. Um, so I think the socialization thing, I think it's easy for us. But people had a lot of distress in schools. You know, I, I teach at IT, but also my colleagues in the U.S. at different universities. Uh, one of the things we seem to be noticing is and maybe your listeners are hearing this, the number one thing we seem to have learned is when we're under stress, you stop and you stay home. Mm. We're seeing a higher rate right now of university students specifically not attending classes when they're exams. Mm. Uh, I I think that's a little bit distressing. Yeah. Is is that a cop-out, though, that they they might think, okay, if I don't, if I say, look, I can't go because I'm stressed out, then I might get a mark, which I might not have got. or, you see, for instance, I hated every moment of a lockdown. And I, wasn't I even, bet you did. <laughs> I wasn't even locked up. I could come to work in our old studio, but I was virtually on my own yeah. in a four-story building. But I had the freedom of coming to work and going home again. But you know, I, could, I couldn't wait to go to the supermarket, yes. for instance, to yes. be around people. And uh, when they said, okay, breaks off, back to normal, phew, I was yeah. out there. Yeah, but it turns out you would think most people are like that. Yeah, you would think so, yeah. And not. No. Uh, but it's it's pretty, I mean, a lot of people really had a hard time being in lockdown, Joy. Mm. But more people, it seems, even though they weren't thinking about it, they enjoyed that more, took the pressure off. Going back has been harder. Now, whether it's a cop-out or not, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not even sure what, the, what that, I understand what that means, but 
the fact that people can now do that and they've never thought about it. I know one of the concerns I have, and you know, and I, I work in mental health, is that more and more people are self-identifying as being stressed and yeah. anxious, which is good, except we're, we seem to be seeing some people are doing it a bit prematurely. Yeah. It's yeah. just so they don't have to deal with problems. They can just retreat into themselves, no, I, into I, their house, and say, okay, we'll let the world perhaps, go on. Perhaps. I think what we do, I mean, humans tend to look at the easiest, most available explanation. Mm. You, know, you know my little theory that we have two drives. Mm-hmm. Uh, humans have two drives. One drive is we really want stuff to make sense. Right, and the other drive is we want to know what's going to happen next. Um, but we will create. Most of us will jump to the easiest conclusion yep. about what allows something to make sense. But you know, even you know, for God's sake, there's a new Netflix show about Jeffrey Dahmer. I used to joke about him, but okay, so horrendous. Uh, I don't watch it, but but even someone like Jeffrey Dahmer. I guarantee you, in his head, what he did made sense to him. Of course, he had a storyline that justified it. Mm. Um, so I think people do that, you know. So now, if people are feeling stressed, um, we have a choice, you know. Do I develop my resilience? But which isn't to say there isn't significant amount of you know actual, you know, mental health issues. But I, I don't think it helps if the culture itself starts identifying. You look at some. You look at some statistics now. I forget what it is, but certain percentage of our population is decided as, as a mental health issue. That isn't mathematically possible. The the number that they've chosen. Mm. We were out of time. Can you believe it? Where did that time go? (laughs) We'll have to carry on um, raising the flag next time you come in. My pleasure talking to you over the last year. Hope you have a very Merry Christmas and look forward to talking to you very soon. Yeah, thanks a lot. Merry Christmas. This program was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Hawke's Bay, your community access media station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for making this type of programming possible.